I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers do have Bibles available and want to make sure you have access to one. So just raise your hand. I'll bring a Bible to you that you can use throughout our service. Proverbs chapter 2. We're reading that entire chapter. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your ear or your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. May God give us understanding this portion of scripture that we'll be preaching from and it's been read before your hearing this morning. It's been a good week, a challenging week. Sunday we started with Mother's Day and time to celebrate the mothers who are worthy of praise, mothers who fear the Lord and have lived that life, and we praise God for that. During the week, another a mother gave birth, and we praise God for Michelle and baby Zach here this morning, so God blessing uh, them with good health and a good delivery. Uh, we've had some other challenges during the week. We've had um, a father who's in the hospital now. We ask you to continue to pray for him and uh, his, his well-being, that God would just uh, be gracious with him during his times of difficulty and discomfort. We can appreciate your prayers for, for he and my mom in that regard. We have several families and little ones who have gone through uh, different challenges with health issues. Uh, uh, we know that... Um, uh, 
Nick and his family are suffering. I know Patty's not here with the, the boys, so we want to pray for them and, and their health and their recovery. Um, AJ has had some some um, issues and, and recovery from, from different things this week, so he's here, but we pray for him and ask you to continue to keep him in mind in prayer. Um, seems like I'm missing someone. We praise God for John being back here from his surgery and the ups and downs that that can uh, bring, but we just ask God to continue to be with and, and watch over him. So um, that's been our week, and we just um, we know that we need the Lord, and so we come to him in prayer. Would you join me now in our time of prayer? After prayer, our choir will come for our selection and then the preaching of God's word. Father, we thank you for your many blessings during this week. We do pray for those who, many who would be here but are absent. Uh, we think of uh, Bonnie and Bill Dick who have gone uh, to, to see their son's graduation. And we thank you for Michael and his graduating. We thank you, Lord, for his training for the ministry. And we thank you for the place that you have set for him, even close to us here at the Gospel Fellowship of Sussex and one of our greatest partner churches. We thank you for that. Um, we pray for um, Chantel and Andy as they are gone for a much-needed reprieve and vacation and be back later on this week. We pray your blessing and keeping of them and their kids in the meantime. We thank you for Michelle and for a safe delivery of, of Zachary, Lord, Zachariah. We thank you for uh, his health and, his, and her health as well. And you just answering our prayer and giving... Um, um, her a good and safe delivery. We pray, Lord, for uh, my dad, Lord, and just the many uh, trials that he's having with his health. We pray that you would sustain uh, his spirit during this time. We pray, Lord, that you give comfort to him and his faith in you, knowing, Lord, that you, uh, his life is in your hands and his comfort is in your, in your hands. And, Lord, I pray that he'll just continue to be a testimony for you and bring glory to you. We thank you for those who you have uh, delivered in surgery. We think of John and him being here today. We thank you for just watching over him and, and blessing him. Uh, we, we thank you for um, our little ones, Lord, as they go through the different challenges of, of health and sickness. For, for little AJ, for, uh, for, for a little Caleb, Lord, and, and um, uh, that whole family of... of um, of Nick and Patty and the little one and Caleb as well. We just pray that you would watch over and bless and, and be with them as well. Um, Lord, we just thank you for allowing us to come and to worship you here today. Thank you for each one that's here. We thank you for your continued um, blessing, for health and strength, uh, for uh, your people here, many who have challenges, and we all need you, Lord, and in so many ways. We thank you for another opportunity to worship and to serve you. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to your word today and uh, help us as we uh, give attention to your truth that we might rightly apply it in our lives and live to, to bring you glory. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.
happy to have Brian and Heidi back. They haven't been on vacation. On contrary, <laughs> they have been on a uh, they have been on a busy stretch of preaching and ministering two weeks in a row uh, at both of our Grace Partner churches. I'm so thankful that God has called them to this, and we have those who recognize uh, God's gift in them and that are, are willing to use them. In fact, are blessed when they use them. I get a chance to talk to our Grace Partner pastors, and they relate to me uh, how, how good a job that you both have done in, in the task that God has given you. So I'm thankful to the Lord for that and uh, for their ministry as a, as a husband and wife team and as a family. We praise God for that. But we're glad to have them back. Yeah. We, we miss them, and uh, it's, it's, it's a little difficult uh, at least for me, functioning without them, they do so much in the church, and it seems like as soon as they come back, we have another component that's gone, and this week it's uh, Chantel and Andy, and uh, we miss them as well, and we miss each one when uh, you're not here, so praise God for that. I want to also mention on Wednesday we had an opportunity to, to recognize and celebrate another year of our uh, truth seekers, and what a blessing that is for all the children and adults who participate in that and those who who teach and who lead the uh, team and team activities and game time and all the the work that's involved in 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 bringing those children together and teaching them God's word I praise God for that we want that to continue and that can't continue without your your faithfulness and your hard work and I just want to let you know that we appreciate that and even more than than our appreciation or my appreciation, God blesses and honors your faithfulness in that endeavor. So I praise God for that. We are looking forward to a busy time. Uh, summertime is coming. We have camps that we uh, really want to emphasize. And uh, I told Lawrence that I would do this, is, and that is to, uh, to speak a moment to our men. Men, we want you to show up for our boys' camp. Our, our vision and our ministry is to build strong men. What a great opportunity uh, we have to, to then to input into our young guys, our, our boys. And so if, if you uh, are part of our church, even if you've been visiting from the rescue mission or, or other places, we want you to be a part in this. And so mark it on your calendar. Take time off from work. It's worth that. Yes, it's worth that. Um, and get involved. Now, you might not do uh, the exact thing you think you want to do, but we need you, okay? So get involved. Here's how to get involved. Lawrence, can you stand up a second? He's in the back. Can't miss him. One of the tallest guys in the church. All right. One of the most faithful as well. Lawrence, see Lawrence. And uh, I'm going to check with him to see how many of you have seen him. And if you haven't seen Lawrence, I'll probably send Brian after you. So, uh, <laughs> we need your help. Every man, we want you to participate, and we want this to be a, a fun activity. Now, now, you ask some of the women, say, well, how come you don't say that about jump rope camp? I don't have to. I don't have to. The women just show up. And, and, and they just show out. So I got to prod our men sometimes. 
because they need it. So women, I hope you don't feel slighted. It's because, you know, sometimes as a parent, you know, you got this one child that you're always, at, always after, always on, and you got one that you don't say that much to. It's not because that's your favorite. They need more work. <laughs> Some need a little bit more effort than others. Men, that's you. I'm not ashamed to, make, to, to mention it. That's you. We need you, and we want you to get involved. So, amen. A, a word to the wise, right? My mom used to say that. Word to the wise is sufficient. In fact, on that note, Proverbs chapter 2, a word to the wise. Proverbs chapter 2. Um, we, we, we looked at a special Mother's Day edition of Proverbs in chapter 31, and so today I'm just doing a, a, a recap of some of the great ideas that we've, we've gone through in Proverbs, and this will most likely be our last time in this series in Proverbs, and uh, we'll be taking on a new series when I get back in June. So Proverbs chapter 2 um, We read the first, four, first five verses I want to, to highlight right now. And I want you to notice several key words. Now, you know through our, through our study in Proverbs that Proverbs uses parallelism, which means it'll take a phrase, it'll take a verse and have two phrases in it. It'll say one thing. A and B, and then it'll take that same A or A1 or A2 and B2. A1, B1, A2, B2. And it'll do that to highlight some things and to draw your attention to it. Look at verse 1. My son, if you receive my words, that's A1, and treasure up my commandments with you, that's a2 and B2. A1 and B1 is receive is A1. My words is B1. Treasure up is A2. My commandments is B2. In other words, there are synonyms that highlight a point. And we're going to go through those in these first five verses. Notice these key words first. In verse 1, receive. In verse 2, or excuse me, in the second part of verse 1, treasure. In verse 2, be attentive, or the word attentive. In the second part of verse 2, incline. In verse 3, call out. In the second part of verse 3, raise your voice. In verse 4, seek. And in the second part of verse 4, search. He says, if you will receive and treasure, be attentive to and inclined, call out for and raise your voice for, to seek and to search for. He uses those terms to show how we ought to be actively taking in or receiving or listening. We ought to be actively listening. 
And all throughout this series, I've asked you a question. Did you bring a pen and a piece of paper? Or maybe you have a, a notepad that you can write on. But something that you can write and record or jot down a note so you remember some of the things that God is speaking to you. So it's an active. It's not just sitting there with your eyes open, but it's getting your mind engaged and taking in what God has to say. In fact, the second part of each verse has to do with what it is we ought to be receiving, what it is we ought to be attentive to, what it is we ought to treasure, what it is we ought to incline ourselves to, what it is we ought to be calling out for, what it is we should be raising our voice for, what it is we should be seeking for, and what it is we should be searching for. What are those things? Verse 1, my words. My words. Verse 1, my commandments. Verse 2, wisdom and understanding. Verse 3, insight and understanding. Verse 4, silver and hidden treasure. All of these point out some aspect of God's word and God's truth and how we ought to actively be taking it in and pursuing it in our lives. Bottom line, you can't just come on Sunday morning and sit here and do nothing more and grow. It doesn't work that way. You have got to actively get involved. I can teach. God has given me the gift to teach. But I can't make, and in fact, the greatest teacher can't make you learn. Nobody can make you learn, no matter how well a teacher they are. My responsibility is to teach. Your responsibility, then, is to learn, to take the truth, digest it, and live it out in your life. So he's saying that we have a responsibility to receive his words. I ask a question in verse 1. What do you listen to? He says, my son, if you will receive my words, what do you listen to? He says in verse 1, if you would treasure up my commandments. Treasure means count something as, as, as worthy, as worthwhile. It's funny because, you know, I, I, I know I'm getting older because uh, I'll see a penny on the ground and I'll actually pick it up. I'll actually pick it up. And it's funny to me because I, I see folks that are a little bit younger than me. There's nickels and pennies all on the ground. And they just walk right over it. And they see it. They notice it. They don't treasure it. I'm like, them pennies add up to nickels. Them nickels add up to quarters. Them quarters add up to dollars. I can buy me a 20-ounce. <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't think it was a... Diet Mountain Dew, if I add up enough of those. 
I can get something. I ain't just going to throw it away. And that's the idea of treasure is you count it valuable. What do you treasure? What do you like? What's important to you? What's valuable to you? Proverbs here in chapter 2 is teaching us that God's word ought to be valuable to us. In verse 2, he says, be attentive, or he says, make your ear attentive to. He's saying pay attention. What do you pay attention to? What do you notice? It, it's, it's, it's good for me. You know, this week we've had opportunity to have our grandkids over and to keep them overnight for a couple of days, different, different ones. Michelle's given birth. We've had an opportunity to have them over with Andy and Shant going away. We've had an opportunity to, to keep them for little, about a week. And you notice something with, with kids, that, that they notice certain things, even the young ones. One of my grandsons, you can be wherever you are, in the backyard, but if a plane flies over, I'm not even paying attention, but he's a Grandpa, airplane. I'm like, hey, I didn't even hear that. Airplane. His ears perk up to that. I'm, I'm, I'm so busy doing stuff. Obviously, I heard it, but it didn't register with me. Another one, fire truck. Every time they hear a siren, fire truck. Another one, we drive in the countryside. Grandpa, water tower. They notice every water tower they see and name it. They are attentive. There's certain things that they see, certain things that they hear that we see, we observe them, but they, to they, they hone in on them. And they, they, they focus their attention on that. And so it's asking you, what do you focus your attention on? What's important to you? What do you notice? What do you give attention to? It says, it ought to be God's word. It ought to be what God is saying. He says this, incline in verse 2. Incline. If you will incline your heart to understanding. I think of that as following something. When I was in high school, at lunchtime, the favorite pastime of guys after lunch was to lean against the wall in the hallway, right? Right? And we would incline our eyes, y'all know what I'm finna say, to the girls walking by. And we would notice them and notice everything about them. And not one would go by without us noticing who she was, what she looked like, and everything about her. We paid attention. What are you paying attention to like that? Do you notice God's word like that? Do you never miss a point? Do you take it in and evaluate it and, 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 and dissect it and put it together and score it and talk about it with your buddies? Do you incline, do you follow after God's word? 
And then he uses this word in verse 3, call out. Yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. <laughs> when you call out for something, it's because you want it. You want it. Up until this week, my youngest grandson was, what, 17 months old. Now, my youngest has just been born. But the 17-month-old, he doesn't say a whole lot of words, but one word I notice that's in his vocabulary that he says is the word mine. Mine! You come and grab his toy, mine! And you learn something that what's yours also becomes his if he wants it. Mine. Mine. And he calls out and makes it clear that I want that. I want that one. It was funny. Yesterday he had, he had two cookies in his hand, one in his right hand and one in his left hand. And his brother came and got a cookie or was given a cookie. And right away, with two cookies in his hand, it's mine. Like, dude, you ain't even got another hand to hold the cookies. And he had forgotten completely what he had and was already looking for what his brother had. Drew, you remember that? <laughs> he don't remember that. <laughs> it wasn't Drew who did it. It was Daniel. Mine. Mine, mine. He calls out. What are you calling out for? What is your biggest prayer request? And what should it be? <laughs> what should it be? What do you desire? What are you calling out for? What are you asking for? What do you think you need? That's another way of asking that, isn't it? What do you think you need? He says he raises, if you would raise your voice. Now, when you really want something, you call out for it, and you request it, and in fact, you demand it, don't you? You demand it. He says, if you, verse 3, yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. Notice the answer to all of these, well, the object of all of these should be God's truth, God's command, what God has to say, the wisdom that comes from God is what we ought to be pursuing and is what we actually need. In verse 4, he uses the two words seek and search. What are you looking for? Another way of saying that is what are you going after and will keep going after until you get it? I often do that when I misplace something, either a key, and most likely it's like my cell phone, and I get ready to go out of the house because those are two items that I have every time I go out of the house. I need to have at least those two items, a key and my cell phone, and, and I get ready to go out of the house, and I don't have this, and I go, oh boy, where is it? Where did I put it? And usually I won't leave the house until I found that. I won't go anywhere unless I have that. Is God's word like that to you? 
that I will search for it. I will take it with me everywhere that I go, and I won't go anywhere without it. What are you searching for? It ought to be one of these, his words, God's commandments, his wisdom, his understanding, his insight, his silver, his hidden treasure. Now we get to verse 5. It takes us back also to verse 1 because they are connected with an if-then statement. If this, then this. It's very clear. It's very important. If, it says in verse 1, my son, if you receive my words, and you can put an if in front of all of those parallelisms that we looked at, if you receive, if you treasure, if you are attentive, if you incline, if you call out, if you raise your voice, if you seek, if you search for my words, my commandments, for my wisdom, for my understanding, my insight, my silver, my hidden treasures, then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, I find in those statements, in verse 1 and verse 5, if you do these, you will find. If you do these, you will get this understanding. You will find the knowledge of God. I find that a, 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 uh, an irony in Scripture. It's ironic That those who seek wisdom are the ones who get it. I said that makes sense, but let me say it another way. Wisdom is given to the wise. Wisdom is given to the wise because to seek wisdom, you have to be wise. So you got to be wise to get wisdom. That's an irony. You say, ah, ah, that, that. That's confusing. That doesn't make sense. In fact, he doubled down on that. He, he says this. He won't give it to people who won't seek it, who won't treasure it, who won't honor it, who, who, who won't value it, who won't go hard after it. Now, that ought to knock us out because there's some of us who, you know, who basically say, um, Lord, I'm going to lay here till you give me this wisdom. And I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to see if I got it. One, two, three. Okay, God, I guess I ain't got it. But notice this, this, this concept of what he's saying. He wants you to value it so that you go hard after it. There's an active role on our part to seek it, and he only gives wisdom to those who are wise enough to seek it. That's an irony. He says, again in verse 1, if you receive my words, if you treasure, he says, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In other words, if you don't do that, it's going to pass you by. You will not find it. You will not benefit from it. And so I'm just struck 
with that irony. And, and here it is. Wisdom, God's wisdom then, is available to his people. God's wisdom then is available to his people, but they must search God and they must pursue it to get it. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't just fall on you by mistake. It comes purposely as you pursue it. In fact, God saves you, brings you into his family, gives you a mind to search him. And then as you search him, he gives you his wisdom. As you pursue it, he gives it to you. Now, that's an irony, but it's encouraging to me. He's saying his wisdom is available. Notice a couple things that he says. Verse 23. I'm sorry. I'm going back to chapter 1, verse 23. It says, If you turn at my reproof, Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. You notice the if-then statement there? We call that a conditional phrase, that you have to meet these conditions in order to get the benefit. If, what is the condition? Verse, chapter 1, verse 23. If you turn at my reproof. In other words, if you pay attention and do what I've said and make the correction that I've called you to do. Another way of saying it is if you repent. If you turn from your wrong and, and turn to God, if you repent. But so, sometimes when I say repent, believers just kind of, they, they just kind of count themselves out. Oh, repent, I've done that. That's for, for sinners. You're a sinner too. And the difference between sinners and believers is believers are continual repenters. We keep on repenting. We keep on turning from the evil as God reveals it to us. So he says this, if you will turn in my reproof, be, behold, I will do what? I can't hear you. I will pour, thank you, brother. I will pour out my spirit to you. The if is conditional. If you turn, if you repent, then what happens? I give you my spirit. No repentance, no spirit. Another way to look at the spirit is the wisdom. In fact, all of this is personified in God's Holy Spirit that he gives to his people. He gives wisdom to his people. Notice verse 7 in chapter 2 now. We saw the if in verse 1. We saw the then in verse 5. It says, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom. Now, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. Wisdom comes from God, right? The question is answered in verse 7. The question I'm going to ask is, who does he give wisdom to? Who does the Lord give wisdom to? Verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom. I can't hear you. For the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Verse 5, verse 8, I'm sorry. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of 
his saints. So it's his people that he gives wisdom to. Now, we, we already said when we say he gives it, it's not a passive uh, 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 a thing. In other words, he doesn't just, you know, throw it out there and all of us just kind of lay back and soak it in. We have to pursue it actively, and we get it that way. But it's God who gives it, and he gives it only to his people, those who are searching for it. So I'm asking you, you have wisdom? Are you walking in wisdom? Are you searching actively for God's truth and God's word? And is he giving it to you? And what's that process of him giving it to you? I can ask you a couple other questions. Are you reading God's word regularly? Are you meeting with God's people on a regular basis? And do you value that? I'll ask you another thing. Do you come to Sunday school? Let me ask you another question. Do you bring a pen and pencil to church? See, that's all different ways of asking the same question. Are you pursuing God's wisdom? Are you coming where it's given? Are you searching God's word on a regular basis, not just on Sunday? Are you meeting when, when you have opportunity to meet with God's people? And are you valuing that time so that you're taking in what God has to say? That's all part of verses 2, 3, and 4, isn't it? And if you're doing that, verse 5 is saying, yes, God gives it to you. And what you ought to know is God just don't give it to everybody. He's given it to his people. The opposite of that is true. Look at chapter 1, verse 24. Chapter 1 now, verse 24 says, Because I have called you before, excuse me, because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, Now he's speaking to those who don't value wisdom, who aren't pursuing it. What happens to them? Verse 25, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when, 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 when terror strikes you. Look at verse 28. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. You say, that's a hard statement. God is saying those who reject his truth, he will not give wisdom to. Let's look at another way of saying that that, that, that really comes through in the, um, in the New Testament. In John chapter 14, can you turn there with me? John chapter 14. Verse 16, oh, verse 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. If, okay, here's again this conditional phrase, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, what's the condition there? If you love, then you'll obey. That's what the condition is. If you love, you're loving God really means walking in his truth. Loving God is not just saying, I love you. You know, we just had Mother's Day last weekend. I'm sure your mother appreciated flowers and, and some token of, of, of your love for her. But what even more is what the flower is to represent. In other words, what's more important than giving a box of candy is actually, uh, 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 if you're young and, and, and in your mother's household, is actually listening to her and doing what she says, right? 
Don't just give her a, a nice card and then she calls you and you don't come. She tells you to wash the dishes and you don't wash them. She tells you to take the garbage out, you don't take the garbage out. She tells you to come in on time, you don't come in on time. See, the, the Mother's Day card doesn't do much good if you ain't going to actually be in your living, loving, and appreciative. But God is just saying that here. If you love me, do what I said. It's simple. So don't come to church and worship and jump up and down and clap if you're not going to also obey. Now, I didn't say don't worship. I said don't worship only without full obedience that's connected to your life. Let your whole life speak a, a, a solid, unified message of I love God. I love God, therefore I obey him. So he says in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says it's a natural flow. In other words, if you say you love and you don't obey, you don't really love. It's a natural flow. If you do really love, you will obey. It goes together. Now the next part, he says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So I see something else connected to that if statement, another conditional statement. In other words, he's saying this, those who love me walk in obedience to me, and I do something. What is it he does? He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He says, I give those who love me the Holy Spirit. Another way of saying that, I give my own children, those who are redeemed by the blood of, of, of Jesus, Jesus is speaking here, I give to them, those who I've died for, who are mine, I give to them the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Here's another irony. He says they obey, and I give them the Holy Spirit. And actually, it's, it's like they obey because they have been given the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's working in their lives that secures their obedience. That's why it's a part of that if-then statement, and it's connected, and it's concrete. And you can't break the statement apart. You can't say, I love God, but I don't really obey. No, no, no. You've been given the Holy Spirit, and you are made to obey. In other words, it's your, it's your practice. It's part of your spiritual DNA. It's the way you do things. It's the way you roll spiritually. It's what you do. It's who you are. It's what God made you out to be. If you love, you're connected, you're part of God's people, you obey, he's giving you his spirit. Now, the reason why I brought you this verse is because spirit is equivalent to the Proverbs wisdom. God gives us his spirit. God gives us the wisdom to live by. And the equivalent there in Proverbs, he says, look, I give wisdom to those who are wise, who are asking and who are pursuing it. And in the New Testament, he says, I give wisdom, I give the Holy Spirit to those who are mine, who belong to me. I give them what they need to live the way I've called them to live. That's a good thing. That, that's encouraging. That's comfort. God is saying, I didn't just tell you to live this way without any assistance and any help. I've given you the Holy Spirit who provides to you the wisdom that you need to live this way. So he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. See, the word helper 
He's in our lives to help us. To help us do what? To help us live obediently to glorify God. And then it says there's several things about the Holy Spirit. One is he's given to those who love and obey the Lord Jesus. He's called the helper. He is ours forever. You see, you don't just have the Holy Spirit one day and then the next year, oops, I don't know what happened, but I ain't got the Holy, I lost him. No. You see, you can't lose him. You can't. Jesus promised he will be with you forever. We get discouraged sometimes. And Jesus once asked us the question, which part of forever did you not understand? I'm still here. Holy Spirit said, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. What else is he called? Verse 17 is called the spirit of truth. Now here's what I want you to see in verse 17. It says, whom the world cannot receive. That's like going back to Proverbs and saying, those who reject God's word and God's wisdom, he turns away and they don't get it. He gives wisdom to the wise. <laughs> He gives wisdom to, to those who are searching, seeking after it, because they are wise. He says here, is he gives the Holy Spirit to his own, and the world cannot receive him, because it neither sees him or knows him. It's like he's in a different plane. He's in a different zone, and they can't get him. It's impossible. They, they can't grasp. They have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. But God's people, on the other hand, have the Holy Spirit, and they can't get away from them. You know, sometimes you try. You know what I'm talking about. When you want to do something wrong, you want to say, Holy Spirit, can, can, here, I want to put you on the shelf for a little bit so I can go and do this little thing, and then, you know, I'll maybe come back and get you, Right? And the Holy Spirit is like, first of all, you don't order me. I ain't sitting here. I never leave you. So what we do is in our minds, you know, we, we put up a little curtain thinking that the Holy Spirit can't see. And, and now we go and we do our little stuff, you know. The Holy Spirit is sitting on the other side of the curtain like, really? You think I can't see through this curtain? Really? So we conveniently tell ourselves statements that are pleasing to our mind so we can do what we want to do. And we, 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 then we come back and the curtain is like wide open, right? It's like, was you looking all the time? Yeah, I was looking the whole time. And that's what happens, this word called conviction. It's conviction, you see. You want to say, well, if the Holy Spirit is with me all the time, how come I can sin? Because you have a sin nature. But your sin nature is against and contrary to the Holy Spirit. Now, Galatians 5 talks about that. You have, you've been saved by God, and he's given you the Holy Spirit, and yet you have that old nature that wants to do what you want to do. And so there's a battle going on. 
And the fact that there's a battle and the fact that there's conviction and the fact that, that, that there is, 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 is this war going on within you and, and that war, sometimes it makes you feel bad, it makes you feel ugly, it, it, that's a good thing. I mean, the Holy Spirit there, he won't leave you alone. You see, if he left you alone, you would just go on and do, do evil and not feel a thing about it. But he won't let you do that. That's a comfort. That's why he's called the comforter. He's called the helper. He says he'll never leave you. He'll be with you forever. Now it says the world does not know him. It can't see him. It cannot receive him. He dwells in God's people. And so as we look at Proverbs, we look at wisdom, we're reminded that God has given us what we need so that we can get all that we need to live the life that he wants us to live. And yet, we have a responsibility to take in, to pursue, to listen, to give attention to, and to honor, to treasure, um, to hold in high regard what God is saying. In chapter 4, John 14, last, or actually verse 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26 there, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now this is true as Jesus was speaking specifically to his disciples, but we also see that this is true of not just the apostles there, the 12 men, but it's true of all believers, is that Jesus has sent, the, the Father has sent the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is working in every believer to bring them in remembrance of what Christ has said, to remind them of what Christ has said so that they'll remember, so that they'll live a life that's pleasing to God. Now, uh, in fact, let's turn to, to Romans chapter 8, just a few verses there to see the tie-in to every believer. Not just the apostles, but to every believer. Romans chapter 8. The whole chapter 8 really emphasizes what it means to live a life um, that's influenced by the Holy Spirit. Live the life that the Holy Spirit has given to us. Because we, we talk that way because it's the Holy Spirit that's given us life. John 6 points that out. The, the Spirit gives life. It's the Holy Spirit that brought us into existence, right? And he's given us life. And this is how we are to live that life that he's given to us. Um, verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, but we are debtors to the Spirit. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay? All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Another way of saying that would be equally true. All the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. All the children of God have the Holy Spirit in them and are led by him. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. One of the many things that the Holy Spirit does is he reassures us inwardly of who we are. So as I teach and preach God's word, God's, God's Holy Spirit is, is just saying to your inner spirit, amen. 
He's saying, amen, that truth resounds in my heart because I know it's true because God's word says it, and I am him. I am his. I belong to him. It's the Holy Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's why it's interesting. Um, people ask me, especially in counseling, Pastor, I'm dealing with this difficult issue, and they really want to say this, am I saved? Have I been born again? And I deal with that question in the same way because I, I hear that same question often from young children. Say, Pastor, am I going to heaven? And I simply back up and say, what does God say? What does God's word say? What does it take for a person to go to heaven? Have you understand what the gospel teaches? That the only way for a human being to get into heaven and to be accepted by God is to have their sin paid for. And that only payment for that is Jesus' death on the cross. Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross to pay for your sin? Have you dealt with that? A beautiful verse in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are you trusting as your only way to heaven? Are you trusting in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you and knowing that God has verified that that alone is sufficient? And that that is sufficient in and of itself, and it's the only thing that's sufficient for your salvation. Are you trusting in that? And what has God promised to those who trust in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? And so we go back to those simple statements. And what happens is they're troubled in their spirit. And you know what? That's a good troubling. That's a good question to ask, whether it's a, a young child or whether it's an old person who's experienced a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and a lot of sin. It's a good challenge to have because it brings them back to the basics. They need to ask that question. Then I ask, do you believe God means what he says? Do you believe that God keeps his promise? Do you believe that what he says is true? Are you, in other words, are you trusting in God and his provision for your salvation? Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? So that's a good question. Am I saved? Am I going to heaven? Because oftentimes, you know, when, when we sin, we, we, we're, we're, we're dealing with that issue. Because, Pastor, you said God's word says that that those who love God obey God, and I've been disobedient. Am I part of his, his children? Am I part of his family? That's a good question to ask. That's a good searching question to ask. But here's the answer that I often give. Listen, I cannot reassure you. In my words, I can send you to God's words and let them either assure you or condemn you. For this reason, I have so much caution 
at funerals where people want to say, I know so-and-so will say, really? I mean, it's good to be confident. If you can see that clearly in their lives, that's one thing. But I often see that said about people who is not clear in their life. And what that person's saying that is trying to reassure themselves and to comfort themselves. But let me tell you something. You cannot be comforted in something that is not true. You have false comfort in something that is not true. What is the true comfort? Well, here it is right here in this verse in Romans 8. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So after I ask that person that question, what does God say? What does he say is the provision of his salvation? What is, what is it that you must trust about Jesus and believe in him to have eternal life? And then the, the basic question, has the Holy Spirit let you know that you're his child? Has he reassured your heart that you belong to him? Because, see, I can't speak for what's in your heart or what your heart has experienced, but I can speak to the word of God. And he says the Holy Spirit reassures his people. It's like a father holding his child and saying, you're mine. You are mine. Let no one cast any shadow of doubt. You are mine, and I vouch for you. The Holy Spirit reassures our hearts that we, in fact, are the children of God. And if you stay up at night, laying awake in your bed, wondering what's true, you simply re review the word of God. And listen if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about the truths of the Word of God and you personally. He reassures his people. I'll tell you something. You don't need any more assurance than that. It'll let you sleep at night. Amen. It'll let you die at the end of your life in peace. Amen. It'll let you go through the struggles of life, resting assured that you belong to God. Amen. God reassures through the Holy Spirit his people. He's given us some concrete things to look at, hasn't he? And he's given us some things that work inwardly that reassures. One of the concrete things we looked at in John 14, 15 is that those who love him obey him. That's a concrete thing. But one of the other things that's inwardly is the Holy Spirit is a witness inside of us to show us who we are. Praise God for his witness. Praise God for his testimony. If you're here today, and you know you need God's wisdom, but you're not sure that you are receiving it. You're not sure that you're going after it strong. You're not sure that you qualify when Proverbs 2, verses 2 through, through 4 talk about what a, what, what a person who loves God, how, how they act and how they go after that. If that's challenging your heart, I say praise God. I say use it. Cry out to God. And say, Father, I want to be your child. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give me your wisdom and give me your assurance so that I might, 
I might rest in you and have peace in you. We can help point out God's truth in that regard. We would love to do that with you today. Now, if you've turned away from God's word and you're rejecting God's word and you're not really listening to it, the Bible gives you a warning. You are not walking in God's wisdom. God's wisdom is not available to you. And in fact, you're walking away from God. But if you're alive and you're hearing that, that warning is given to you to turn back. If you would, we saw in Proverbs chapter 1, if you would turn at my reproof, if you hear that rebuke and you turn back to God, if that scares you and draws you back to God, that's the reason God has given it to you. Turn to God. Father, we thank you for your word today. The wisdom that comes from your word, the wisdom that comes from your Holy Spirit, the assurance that comes from your Holy Spirit, we thank you for that today. We would pray, Lord, that those who have it will be reassured in it. Those who don't will be troubled to the point of turning to you. In Jesus' name we pray.